morning. Man, I love being here in Medina. Um, as some of you may know, I took over as the next-gen director on August 1st over the high school and uh, middle school ministries here at Northside. And so I spend most of my Sundays at, at Wadsworth um, leading those ministries, but I love being here at Medina. And so I want to thank Jeff for giving me the chance to come and speak today. Um, for those of you who don't know, on August 1st, I was supposed to be here in Medina and preach. But the day before that, I actually got COVID. And it, I got like all the symptoms like right away. <laughs> and so that night before, I remember calling Jeff and I was like, Jeff, I, I can't preach tomorrow, I'm, I'm sick. And, uh, and he was like, and, and I know Jeff was on vacation, Eric was on vacation, Robin was in Wadsworth, Brad was leading worship in Wadsworth. And so Jeff was like, who's leading worship that day? And I was like, Zach. And he's like, okay, Zach's preaching tomorrow. <laughs> and so <laughs> I ended up calling Zach that night and I was like, hey, Zach. And he's like, hey, Joey, like, what's up? Um, I was like, hey, you're preaching tomorrow. And he's like, what? <laughs> and so I don't know how many of you were there that Sunday, but I heard he did an amazing job and uh, really blessed by that. So today I'm going to come and, and speak the same message that I was going to speak on August 1st. And uh, that's, it's titled, Don't Give Up on God. It's that mini-series we were doing back in um, August called Don't Give Up. And, and today's message is Don't Give Up on God. So I'm going to be speaking that message today. I also want to turn your attention to the Awaken uh, movement that's going to be happening. It's going to be starting next Sunday on September 12th. And what this is, is uh, it's a movement to pray for every single house in Medina County intentionally. Um, to pray, pray, pray for them by name. And so you can actually sign up on, um, there's a website on that song sheet, which should be uh, the website for the Awaken, where you can sign up and, and, and dedicate prayer to uh, specific households in Medina County. It's an amazing movement. And so I encourage you to do that. So before I get started, I just want to pray for us um, as we begin. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity to come here and worship, even in the midst of disgusting weather. Um, we still get to worship you, a good, good God. And God, we thank you for the church. We thank you for community. And we thank you for believers. In your name we pray, amen. So today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 14. We're going to be going through the story that's in 1 through 14. So if you guys want to open up to that, you can. Um, I'm going to be reading it section by section because I know reading the whole thing at once can get boring, at least for me. <laughs> But I'm going to read it section by section, and it's, a, it's an amazing story of faith. And so I begin in, uh, in verse 1. And I have to say, before I read this verse 1 and 2, there's a lot of names in here of, of, of different cities that I don't know how to pronounce, so I'm going to give it my best shot. See, at Bible school, they don't teach you how to pronounce these things, so I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> so in verse 1 and 2, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Haroth, between Magdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. So what's happening here is the Israelites, they just got out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And God had, you know, sent Moses and the 10 plagues and Pharaoh had finally let his people go. And now they're sitting right in front of the Red Sea and God tells them, okay, I want you to camp out here which if you think about it, had to be really hard for them. You see, on the other side of this Red Sea was freedom. 
It was everything they wanted. It was everything that they were searching for. Just in front of them on the other side of this Red Sea. And so they finally get to this Red Sea and they're like, okay, we're going to cross the Red Sea and we're going to have freedom. But God says, no, I want you to wait. Which that takes an incredible amount of faith to just sit there and wait. As I mentioned, on August 1st, I began as the next-gen director over the high school and middle school ministries here at Northside. And on July 31st, I tested positive for COVID. And so for the first two weeks of being employed here, I was stuck in my bedroom. I remember, like, this is the, this is the job I always wanted. This is the one I felt God, like God was preparing me for. This is one I've been praying about, and I was so excited to get started. And I was one day away. And then I had to st- start by s- God saying, wait. And I had to stay in my room. And it was really, really difficult because we don't like to wait here in America. We like everything now, right? <laughs> and so this had to be hard for the Israelite people. And so we go on in verse 3. And it says, Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and his, all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So right here, God's explaining why he wants them to camp out. He says, I want you to camp out, because basically, I'm going to show Pharaoh, I'm going to trick him and say, like, oh, you guys are confused, you're wandering around the desert, and I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and he's going to come after you, but I'm going to show him who's boss, basically, is what happens here. And so we go on in verse 5. And it says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them. And he said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his elites, i oh, sorry, took his army with him. He took 600 of his best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers all over them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Piharath, opposite Balsaphon. So what happens here is exactly what God had told them. He, he hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he, so Pharaoh got all of his chariots, his troops, his entire army. And he's like, okay, we're going to go after these people. We're going to get them back. And so now the circumstances change for the Israelites a little bit. Because originally they were just waiting to get across the Red Sea to, like, because they had a really good thing on the other side. And so they were just waiting. But now it's harder because now they have something chasing after them. Now they have a deadline to meet. They don't have forever anymore. And so as you could imagine, they begin to get very antsy. We go on in verse 10. It says, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So the Israelites get to this point when they began to question ever even leaving slavery. Let me remind you, they were in slavery for 400 years and God performed a miracle to get them out. And now they're at this point 
where they would rather not wait on God. They would rather go back and be slaves than to sit and wait on God. They had given up on him. And as I sit and read that, I think about how much I can relate to that. How becoming a Christian is a little harder than maybe some, some of us imagined. You see, then you have to discipline yourself spiritually. You gotta push yourself out of your comfort zone. Maybe the world's not gonna like us anymore because we're Christians. And some of us, maybe I know I could relate, would rather go back to our sin than staying in this place and waiting for God. And we become a slave to that sin and that's our comfort zone and we'd rather be there than wait on God. And so that's exactly what the Israelites were thinking. They said, I don't want to wait on God anymore. I've given up. I want to just go back to where I was. It was comfortable. I want to go back and be a slave. And so Moses responds in perhaps the most, impo- the most powerful two verses in this whole section. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. At the beginning night, uh, I had my dad hand all of you a pen. If you guys could um, take that pen and actually circle be still on Exodus 14, 14. And you all know how the story ends, right? The Lord fought for them. See, overnight, the Lord actually changed the direction of the winds and pushed the water back to where they could have a path through the Red Sea and they could walk across on dry land. And as they got across, the Egyptians chased in after them. And then God closed the waters on the Egyptians and they never saw them again. See, I think so many times in church, we're told, go therefore. Like, get up and go, get up and do something. And many times that's true. But sometimes God is telling us, you need to sit and wait. I mean, if I'm one of the Israelites, I'm thinking, okay, how else can we get across this Red Sea? Like, let's build a boat, let's do something, right? (laughs) Like, the Egyptians are coming. God said he would save us, but maybe we just need to get up and do something. But here God is saying, just wait. Just wait on me. Don't give up on me. In Psalm 27, 14, it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Can you circle wait both times it appears in that verse? Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. If I've learned anything in studying scripture, it's that if God repeats something twice in the same verse, then it's important. And it's interesting too, because in the middle of that, it says, wait for the Lord, and then there's a, there's a little phrase and it says, wait for the Lord. In the middle of that, it's be strong and take heart. If I told you to be strong and take heart, what would you think, right? You would think of like action, right? Like doing something, be strong and take heart. But, but, but God is saying here, wait, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart, wait for the Lord. The strongest thing you might do this year is to wait. 
I was doing research the other day and I came across this this Chinese bamboo tree. Okay, this tree is really unique in a lot of ways because it's the fastest growing tree in the world. And so how this tree works though is it takes five years to even grow an inch. So every single year you have to water and you have to nurture it and you have to take care of it and it's not gonna grow at all after year one, it's not gonna grow at all through year two or year three or year four, but on year five, as you, if you continue to take care of it, it grows to 90 feet in six weeks. In fact, at its fastest growing point, it grows 40 inches in a day. They say you can actually physically see it grow. It's the most unique thing I've ever heard. It's this Chinese bamboo tree. But here's the thing. If you don't water it or take care of it or nurture it for those first five years, it will never grow. It'll die. I think a lot of us, God wants to do huge things with us. I mean, if we're still alive and breathing, God wants to do something special with us. But right now he's preparing us. Some of us are sitting in a season where we're like, nothing's happening. I'm just waiting on God. I'm waiting to do something big. And, and God said, keep on, keep on watering yourself. Keep on nurturing yourself. Because on the fifth year, you're going to grow 90 feet in six weeks. <laughs> so don't waste the wait. As you're sitting and you're waiting on God, don't waste that time. That's vital. It's important. In Psalm 37, 7, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Can you circle be still and then circle wait? I mean, how hard is it to be still? <laughs> I was talking to, uh, to Cheryl Frazee actually the other day. We were talking at lunch and... We were talking about the attention spans and how bad they've gotten because of technology. And she was like, I used to be able to just sit there, but now, or uh, then I had to ha be watching something, but now I have to be on my phone and watching something. <laughs> and I said, yeah, like me in my room, I got two monitors now, and, I, and I'm watching two things at once, and I'm usually on my phone at the same time. My attention span is so bad <laughs> because it's so hard to just sit there and wait. Like we need to be doing something. I remember when I went to Cedar Point one year, and the lines were really long. And to be honest, the, one of the worst parts about Cedar Point is the long lines. And so I'm sitting there in a long line, and then there's also this option to get a, a fast lane pass. And what this does is you have to pay over double the price of a regular ticket, but you can skip the line pretty much. You can walk right up and get on the, get on the ride. And I remember getting so mad at these little kids who definitely didn't pay for it on their own money because they don't have a job. <laughs> and they just walk past me with their grimy little faces and they just cut me in line <laughs> while I'm like sweating in 90 degree weather in line. <laughs> and I, I remember actually Googling the price of a fast lane ticket in that moment. I was like, I need to get myself one of these. But it's, it's like $120, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but that goes to show that we hate waiting. We hate being still. And people are going to succeed. People are going to make mo more money than you. People are going to have nicer houses than you. People are going to succeed in their ways. 
And God might have you in a season of waiting. People might even succeed in their ministries. And you might think, oh God, why, why aren't I succeeding? And he's like, just wait. It's so hard to wait. I remember when I was little, I uh, had, had broken my collarbone in fifth grade because I landed like on a rock. I was diving after someone playing football and I landed on a rock and I broke my collarbone. And so I remember I, I came home from school. I just went the rest of the school day. My, the nurse just thought I was being a baby. And so I just went the rest of the school day. I got home and my mom says my arm was actually hanging lower than my other arm. So she could tell like it was, something was wrong. And so we go to urgent care and we're sitting in the urgent care waiting room. Which seems weird to me. Urgent care and there's a waiting room. Like, come on. <laughs> but we're sitting in the waiting room and I remember getting frustrated I was like, why don't they just take me now? Like, I'm in pain. I'm struggling. I need to see a doctor. Like, why don't they just help me now? And what I didn't realize is that they were preparing a room for me. They were sanitizing and cleaning a room. They were making sure the doctor was ready to see me. And they were preparing a room for me so that when I went back, I could get the adequate care that I needed. And then I was back there two weeks later with a broken wrist and my mom warned me, they might take you back for questioning this time. <laughs> but a lot of us, I mean, some of us, we're sitting in a waiting room. Like, like God is telling us to wait, and we don't understand why, we d- and we're getting frustrated, and we're getting antsy, but God is preparing a room for us right now. Because God does not waste the wait. He never does. Whenever he has you waiting, it's intentional, and so don't give up on God. In Philippians 1.6, it says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. What this means is that God does not abandon the projects that he starts. Can you all write that underneath Philippians? God does not abandon the projects that he starts. See, every time he creates someone, he does it intentionally. Every time he, each time he created each one of us, he did that intentionally. And he doesn't abandon that. As frustrating as that may seem sometimes that you think God has just given up or, I mean, even turning on the news. I remember watching the football game last night, Clemson versus, uh, who did they face? What was that? Georgia, Clemson versus Georgia. And at halftime, they had a little, like, ABC News snippet, right? And it was, like, three, new, three news stories of, like, people getting murdered. And I was just like, why? <laughs> I didn't need this in my life. It was, like, one of, like, someone got stabbed in a car. Like, I'm not even going to go into it. But it was just like, like, why do I need this? <laughs> and a lot of us, like, we look at the, at the turmoil and political unrest that's happening in our country. And we think, man, God has given up. And I mean, this, this new variant of COVID, it, it's, it's, it's coming back and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to have to quarantine again or, or what's going to happen. But it's going to be frustrating. I promise you that. It's going to be frustrating. Because God might be saying, I need you to wait a little longer. But God doesn't abandon the projects that he starts. I mean, what do you think Job was thinking? 
When his entire family died, all of his cattle deceased, his physical health deteriorating, he probably thought, man, God had given up on me. What do you think Joseph thought? After he had been sold into slavery by his own brothers, he had probably thought, man, God had given up on me. Or later when he was imprisoned, he said, man, God had given up on me. What do you think Sarah felt? When years before she was promised a child and now she's 90 years old and she's sitting there saying, God, biology doesn't work this way. Like I can't have a child. And she probably thought God had given up on her. I guess, I guess I'm not going to have a child. What do you think the Israelites were thinking? With the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptians quickly approaching behind them, they were thinking, God, he, he gave up on us. Let's just go back and be slaves. I mean, what do you think the disciples were thinking while Jesus was laying dead alone in a tomb? They probably thought, man, God's dead. God gave up on us. But, but Jesus rose from the dead. He defeated death. You see, God never abandoned these projects. You see, see God blessed Job beyond anything more than he was blessed before. God made Joseph second in command over all of Egypt. God gave Sarah a child. God allowed the Israelites to get through the Red Sea. And Jesus rose from the dead. Because God doesn't abandon the projects that he starts. So if you're stuck in a season of waiting, don't grow weary. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't lose strength. Because God never abandons the projects that he starts. Pray with me. Dear God, you are so good. And we thank you for who you are. Being a God with a plan, someone who doesn't make mistakes, and someone who is in control. God, we love you. God, we thank you for sending your son to die for us so that we can join you in heaven one day and we can live forever with you. God, we love you and we thank you. And in your name we pray. Amen.